Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Thank you for your presence today. Let's ask ourselves this question. Do I make godly decisions in every aspect of my life? There's only one answer, either yes or no. There is no in-between. Once we decide to live for Christ, every decision we make in every area of our lives is to be based on the Word of God. Anything less is hypocritical and dishonors our sovereign God in whom we move, live, and have our being. Listen as Pastor Rander challenges us to make godly decisions in a godless culture. Have your Bible, pen, and paper handy as you will want to take notes. Help us to be focused, and uh, we pray, Lord, that you would just overrule in the service. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Turn with us to Isaiah chapter 62, verses 6 and 7. Uh, we are going to do part 2 of the message that we uh, began on last Sunday. Isaiah chapter 62, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 62 verses 6 and 7. And there you'll find these words. I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and make her the praise of the earth. And from this particular passage of scripture, we want to preach making godly decisions in a godless culture, part two. Making godly decisions in a godless culture. Our nation, the United States of America, is becoming increasingly secular, attempting to divorce God out of every sector of our society. Christians are being targeted and persecuted for the cause of Christ. And if we refuse to stand and be a voice in the wilderness and make godly decisions in a godless culture, we will not be able to turn the tide and keep this country from imminent destruction. The signs of judgment are ever so present all around us. And what is so sad is that our nation, the United States of America, and even Christians failed to be like the sons of Issachar in First Chronicles chapter 12, Verse 32, which says, who understood the times to know what Israel ought to do. My friend, do you really understand the gravity of the perilous times we are facing? Behold how other nations such as Italy and Spain, Greece, Portugal are teetering on bankruptcy. And even here in America, we have out-of-control debt crisis, the raging wildfires across the country, tornadoes, mosquitoes carrying the West Nile virus causing sickness and death. 
We're experiencing extreme drought to the point that even the Mississippi River is at its lowest level affecting the transportation and shipping industry. And behold the increase in violence where there are mass killings of unsuspecting victims in public and religious venues. The sons of Issachar understood the times and knew what Israel ought to do. Can that be said of you, my friends? America is at a critical crossroad, and we need to humble ourselves, pray, and repent. Return to God now, or we shall face imminent destruction just like the nations preceding us. We have many selfish, ungodly men and women in the leadership of our country, and we have many ungodly men in the pulpits around America that needs to be removed from office. And we should vote in God-fearing, righteous persons who will take a stand to preserve our Judeo-Christian values. Proverbs 29.2 says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. You see, God posted watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem to guard the city from, from surprise enemy attacks, to guard the city from lurking enemies and suspicious activities. God sets watchmen on the walls of a nation to sound the alarm when there is impending danger. The purpose of the watchmen was to watch carefully night and day, and whatever they saw, they were to announce so that God's people would know how to prepare and to respond. Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 17 through 19 says, The Son of Man, I made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Verse 19, yet if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. In other words, every uh, person who stands to proclaim uh, the gospel has a responsibility of telling the people of God the word of God. And if they, if they reject the word of God after being told, then they are responsible for their own sins. But if I or any other pastor or elder stand, a priest or whomever, stands before the people and fail to give them truth and fail to warn them and fail to tell them what thus saith the Lord, then God holds us responsible and there's a day of accountability and divine chastening and the blood of you, of you will be on our hands because we fail to tell you the truth. And that's why I preach so hard, because I don't want your blood on my hands. As your pastor, God has set me along with other shepherds around this nation as watchmen on the walls of America. The foundation of our nation is being destroyed by political correctness. The foundation of our nation is being destroyed by tolerance and relativism, greed and sexual perversion. The foundation of our nation is being destroyed by pluralism and false doctrine, pornography, gambling, adultery, drugs, sensual dress, debt crisis, gender reassignment surgery, and witchcraft such as Harry Potter. Psalms 11.3 says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do?
I repeat, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? When voting, we must consider all elected officials, whether it is the president, Congress, senators, governors, mayors, commissioners, judges, school board representatives, etc. Furthermore, you cannot vote biblically or intelligently if you don't know what the issues are and their effect on this nation. So now that was just an intro and a review of part one. Now I'm going to launch out into part two so we can get all of what God has for us today. What are some of the issues we must consider in the upcoming election? Because you got to know what the issues are. And I'm, uh, I'm not going to slow down because I want to cover everything. So you just take shorthand or just write, you know, as best you can without trying to write the whole sentence, but make sure it makes sense to you. How about that? So what are some of the issues we must consider in the upcoming election? Number one, we must consider the economy and the, and the impact of outsourcing jobs going to other nations. The economy and the impact of outsourcing. Number two, uh, wh- what do you think about gun control laws focusing on the amount and types of arms individuals can and should bear Why consider while considering the issue of safety. So what's your thoughts on gun control? Have you ever thought about that? These are issues we need to personally reckon with and consider. Uh, uh, Number three, what about the immigration issues? Have you been thinking about that? Uh, Providing benefits to individuals who have broken the law by entering the country illegally. Uh, What about, number four, social entitlement reforms, which are changes to government-funded programs that many people rely on for their daily existence, such as housing subsidies, loan stock cards, food stamps, child and health care. What are your thoughts as it relates to that as we consider the upcoming election? Uh, Number five, have you considered this one? Political ideologies such as capitalism versus socialism. Political ideologies such as capitalism versus socialism. This is taken taking from the rich and giving to the poor. And now the new agenda of collectivism, which simply states that everything should be shared regardless of who works to get it. What are your thoughts about that as it relates to scripture? Uh, have you considered this as it relates to, to the issues? And by, and, by, and by the way, this is not a comprehensive list. This is just some of the things we ought to c- consider. There are many more things that I could put on here, but for the sake of time, I just can't. What about education reform? It's affordability and subsequent lack of job availability. You go, you pay all that money, get loans, student loans, and get out and can't find a job. As Christians, we should advocate and promote abstinence education along with creation being taught in the science classes, you know, and not just evolution, which is a bold-faced lie. God made us and God created this world and public schools are really government schools and they don't want uh, creation taught along with evolution because creation will expose the lie of evolution. As God's children on earth, we are his advocates. As such, we must defend the word of God in every aspect of our lives, including the way in which we present ourselves to the world. The words we say, the decisions we make, the way we dress, etc. 
As we consistently apply the word to our lives and inspire others to do the same, we are blessed by God to be counted among his chosen generation, royal priesthood, and holy nation. Listen as Pastor Rander continues. Here's another issue you need to consider. Which candidate will stand with Israel as nations around her desire to see her totally destroyed and wiped out? That's another thing we need to consider. Which candidate will stand with Israel as nations around her desires uh, to see her totally destroyed and wiped out? Uh, Look at Genesis, look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Genesis 12, 3, it says, I will bless those who bless you, and I I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. My friend, we need to be Israel's friend. Amen. Uh, Israel is still the apple of God's eye. And even though Israel has rebelled and for the most part turned away from God and God is offering uh, the program to the Gentiles, but God is not through with Israel. In the end time, he's going to come back and deal with his people, Israel. And we are wise as a nation. If we stay true to Israel, be aligned with Israel, be an ally to Israel, be a, a friend to Israel, And come to Israel's defense. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And I don't want to see America cursed because we have turned our back on Israel. Have you considered your stance on Israel? Number eight. Across America, churches are being denied access to public facilities that are available to to other private groups. They are being denied the use of suitable property through arbitrary land ordinances and zoning restrictions. These actions are increasingly impeding church efforts to evangelize and minister to their communities, such as, for example, churches in New York being denied, churches in New York being denied permission to meet in local schools, even though they pay their normal share for Sunday worship services while every other group can meet there for any reason. You know, this needs to be dealt with in the name of Jesus Christ and for the preservation and ongoing of the Lord's church. And then number nine, we must consider the issue of religious persecution in America. If you think persecution is not here, you are fooling yourself. Today, government intrusion into the affairs of the church spurred on by many cases uh, by anti-Christian organizations like the American Atheists and the Freedom from Religious Freedom from Religion Foundation pose a growing threat to church autonomy and to even the most basic religious liberties, including freedom of access, freedom to exercise religious belief, and freedom of speech. Give me an example of freedom of speech. Glad you ask. Uh, for example, the recent Chick-fil-A boycott and kiss-in controversy because its president, Dan Cathy, publicly endorsed traditional marriage. Pastors and Christians must speak up. We must protect, promote, and preserve the rights and freedoms lest they be taken away from us. Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 2 and 6 says, Ezekiel 33, 2 and 6 says, Son of man! Speak to the children of your people and say to them, 
When I bring the sword upon the land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman. Say watchman. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned, as I'm doing to you today, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. My goodness. Pastors, elders, priests, preachers are responsible for telling the word. And then number 10, here's another uh, 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 consideration. The attempt to redefine marriage and the impact and consequences of homosexual marriage. Won't you say amen? It, it, is, it, is, it is rampant and it is promoted by the authorities that be in our land. So let me just, I need to go back. I shouldn't have to, but Christians and people are becoming so confused. You know, when a football team messes up real badly, uh, sometimes the coach get them in, in the room and chew them out when they've lost 60 to nothing. And he'll just say, this is a football. And so I must need to come to you today and tell you that this is the Bible. Now we ought to know by now what marriage is. But since you've gotten fuzzy wuzzy, let me define and give you the, defi the definition the Lord has given me. I'm going to slow down on this one because I want you to write every word of it because you need to know what marriage is for the sake of your marriage, for the sake of your children, and for the sake of your children's children. What is a marriage covenant? What is a marriage covenant? A marriage covenant is a formal agreement. A marriage covenant is a formal agreement uniting a man and woman, setting them apart exclusively to each other until death separate them. I got more, but I'm going to go back and repeat that part for your sake. A marriage covenant is a formal agreement uniting a man and woman setting them apart exclusively, setting them apart exclusively to each other until death shall separate them. I'll continue. It is a binding vow or promise. It is a binding vow or promise made in the presence of God to fulfill the marital obligation in obedience to God's plan and his word. I reiterate, it is a binding vow or promise made in the presence of God to fulfill the marital obligation in obedience to God's plan and his word. Marriage was instituted by God himself Marriage was instituted by God himself for the purpose of populating the earth through childbirth. For the purpose of populating the earth through childbirth, preventing, marriage was given for preventing sexual promiscuity. Marriage was given by God for promoting holiness. Marriage was given by God for the nurturing of the family and the church. 
Hebrews 13, 4 says, Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. Now, let me go and read it. I'm going to read it all the way through. Because you say, wow, you sure emphasizing that because I want to make sure you get every word of it. So in case you missed the word, I'm going to read it all the way through without stopping this time. What is a marriage covenant? A marriage covenant is a formal agreement uniting a man and woman, setting them apart exclusively to each other until death shall separate them. It is a binding vow or promise made in the presence of God to fulfill the marital obligation in obedience to God's plan and his word. Marriage was instituted by God himself for the purpose of populating the earth through childbirth, preventing sexual promiscuity, promoting holiness, and for the nurturing of the family and the church. Hebrews 13, 4a says, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. A scripture on marriage is found in Genesis chapter 2, verses, 20 through, verses 22 through 24. Genesis 2, 22 through 24 says, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and, and he brought her to the man. Not him to the man, or not woman to a woman. God brought her to the man. Underline that. And Adam said, this is now bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife. A man joined to his wife who is a woman and they shall become one flesh. Now, why don't you say amen? What are the impact? What are the impact and consequences of homosexual marriage? What are the impact and consequences of homosexual marriage. You're not going to hear this on CNN. You're not going to hear it uh, on Fox News and a whole lot of these places, CNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, but you will hear it in, at Maranatha Bible Church. What are the impact and consequences of homosexual marriages? Number one, it denies a child either a father or mother and does not create a family but a natural sterile union. Okay, it's, this is some big stuff I'm, I'm, I'm finna come at you with. It, it does, I, I say it again, it, it denies a child either a father or a mother and does not create a family but a natural sterile union. Genesis 1, chapter 1, verses 27 and 28a says, God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. Look at verse 28, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Amen. Only a man and woman can be fruitful and multiply. No two women can bear a baby, can birth a baby. No two men can birth a baby. But you get a man and a woman tangling, I tell you what, you're going to have a baby crying. Why don't you say amen? I'm not going no further than that. You know what I'm talking about. Why? Amen. And number two. What are the impact and consequences of homosexual marriage? Number two, it attempts to validate and promote the homosexual lifestyle and turns 
and turns a, a moral wrong into a civil right. It attempts to validate and promote the homosexual lifestyle and turns a moral wrong into a civil right which is being promoted in our country and our militaries and our chaplains are having all kind of issues in the military as it relates to policy changes. Number three, it imposes its acceptance on all society. It imposes its acceptance on all society. By legalizing same-sex marriage, government becomes its official and active promoter. It, let me reiterate, it imposes its acceptance on all society, society by legalizing same-sex marriage. Government becomes its official and active promoter. As a matter of fact, that's promoted more than a man-woman, husband-wife relationship. They're trying to force this down our throat. And we should reject it because it goes against the very word of the living God. Number four, it, homosexual marriages, it becomes the cutting edge of the sexual revolution where all types of sexual freedoms and perversions will become universally accepted. In other words, when you redefine marriage, you open the door for all kinds of decadence and evil and corruption, all in the name of freedom and perversion. Uh, uh, if we allow marriage to be redefined, that opens the door for all kinds of corruption and decadence. For example, if you can redefine marriage and it can mean anything, it's not going to just stop there with, with two two lesbians or two homosexuals, that's the starting point. The question you need to ask is, where is it going from there? Let me give you some things that are happening uh, even as I speak. Polygamy. You know, when, when you redefine that, then why can't we have polygamy? Which is a marriage that includes having more than one wife or husband at the same time and, time and often times promote a pedophilia, you know, marrying uh, uh, kids that are very young, you know, you know, that, that, that's starting a new sexual revolution where you, where, where, where you can have a man marrying two or three women, two or three women with one man. You have people, um, uh, a man marrying 13 and 12 year olds and having sex with them and having babies with them. This is where our country is headed when we allow marriage to be redefined. But I'm not hardly through. Where else could it possibly go? Uh, I know possibly too. It will go if we don't stand up. We lose when we say we belong to God, yet do not do the things He says. When we surrender our lives, we are saying that we willingly live in total submission to Him. Jesus willingly suffered and died for us, thereby paying for our salvation in full. We must stand on the promises of God no matter what the cost, because in the end, we will inherit eternal life free of charge. The price has been paid in full. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683. Lots of channels, nothing to watch. 
especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.